Thursday, the 15th of June. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Dan McHugh here. I'm joined by Brisbane comedian Shadwicker. G'day, mate. How you doing? Good, good. It's nice to hang out with you. Uh, it's a shame that I only get to do it in a work situation, Chad. Well, uh, the thing is, mate, you're an awful time of an awful hang, so that's oh. why. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I do like drinking beer. I think you like doing that. So one day, I think. Yeah, no worries, mate. I mean, someone's got to try and pick up the, the drinking side of this podcast, seeing as Shane Lee is mysteriously vacant today, uh, which is interesting, he but is. Um, never mind. That's all right. We don't have to dwell on the fact that he's probably polished off too many bottles of wine as per usual and couldn't make it to the pod this morning. But I'm dedicated. I'm dedicated to the cause. The people need to hear about their sport. Anyway, that's enough picking on Shane. Uh, in today's show, we're going to be talking soccer, tennis, baseball, cricket, AFL, NRL, and much more. Someone you love could die of a sudden cardiac arrest at any age, any fitness, at any time. More than 80% happen at home and chances of survival decrease by 10% every minute. And sadly, in Australia, around 50 people die from cardiac arrest a day while waiting for the ambulance to arrive. But now you can increase your chances of survival with Cellade, the world's first mini personal defibrillator. It's simple to use and as small as a block of chocolate. Every home should have a Cellade. It's really a lifesaver. Buy your Cellade at cellade.io. That's C-E-L-L-A-E-D dot I-O. Okay, Shad, your favourite sport, cricket. Is uh, Hazelwood going to play in the Ashes, which uh, start tomorrow? Look, I'm just going to piggyback off what Shane said on the show yesterday. Um, it'd be very surprising if they pick Hazelwood for this team. Like Shadow pointed out, if Hazelwood's only played less than a handful of test matches uh, over the last couple of years compared to Boland, who has been going like tremendously, I think what was it? He was in, he's in the top five all time. For the amount of uh, wickets and uh, and his run rate or whatever it is over the course of the last few years, so yep. you know he's the informed bowler. It's it. I feel like it would be a mistake to head over and not take who is possibly your most informed quick at the moment to what is a very important test series, which is important to all of us, which is of course the Ashes. So I th- I think I mean the the cricket team obviously do know what they're doing, and for some reason we don't. Do they? I don't think oh, they do. I, I, I feel like I don't know a lot about cricket, Dan. I'll admit, you know, Shane Lee is the man who you know he's a former captain. He knows what he's talking about. But it seems like every couple of months when cricket's on, also it feels like the cricket season has gone for two years straight. Yeah. Um, there's too much cricket, but it, it always seems like. Our Aussie cricket side manages to, you know, stuff something up every couple of months, whether it's, you know, the cheating scandal, dare I uh, mention that, you know, the run order situations, not knowing who the opener is, sticking with some people out of form for too long. This is not the type of team you want to make the mistakes against, which is one of the most important tests on the calendar. Um, I agree, but I also think that's all Australian sports. Um, (laughs) Anyway, if Australia fails to win this series... It means it will be the longest stretch without any away series win in the history of this great rivalry, the Ashes. It just makes me sad about how old I am. Uh, 
Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, because I'm like, I could have sworn I've seen an Australian side on the telly win a test series in England, like for the Ashes, and now I've realised how old I am, which now makes me very sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm even older, so don't worry about it. Um, let's look at tennis. Nick Kyrgios, this actually hurt me a little bit to read. I didn't believe it. Uh, loses his comeback, Matt. Yeah, a bit of an unfortunate one for Kyrgios. I feel like it was all, it was always going to happen. He's been out for quite some time. We know he's not a big... I know he's been training. I've been following him on the socials, but we know he's not... You know, he doesn't have a coach or anything like that to really push him into the game. He uses matches to get himself back. It wasn't crazy good. I mean, 7-5 tiebreak in the first one, then going down 6-3 in the other. I think he just took his foot off the gas there, not really feeling to push himself too much after his knee operation in January. Here's the thing. I, I, I know he would have wanted to win, but I'm still kind of quietly confident that we'll get him into the deeper rounds of Wimbledon. I'm not reading too much into it, into his return match. He's just easing back into it. But, you know, you, could be, you couldn't be... Uh, no one could get up you if you're worrying about Nick Kyrgios' tennis future after a bad comeback. Yeah, I actually don't think... With him, just like with the Australian cricket team, he's up and down. So he could very well still smash it at Wimbledon. I agree. Yeah, he turns it on when he plays big opponents. That's the kind of thing that you get from him, which is, I guess, also kind of frustrating, is that you can sometimes, throughout his career see Nick lose to people that you think he should definitely win against, but then he mm. plays against really titans of the sport and he wins. I mean, he's still on the draw right now, I believe. I could be wrong. He may have changed now, but he like has the best winning percentage against the big three of Djokovic, Nadal and Fed. Oh, right. That's awesome. So, um, Messi has moved to Miami uh, in the Major Soccer League. Any thoughts on that? I think this is impressive for the uh, football tournaments of the US. I mean, look, they've had uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic go over and play in the MLS for a bit. This is, of course, um, you know, sides are getting bought up by ex-players. Obviously, Beckham involved as well. It's exciting part of his career. Why wouldn't you do it on the back end of your career? Take a huge amount of money, live in a in a great place like Miami, mm-hmm. who have been starved of successful sporting teams for a while. Obviously, the Heat going down in the NBA Finals um, earlier this week. Uh, Inter Miami were last on the table last year. So this was a team that was dead last. They had five wins, 12 losses. Um, they couldn't even muster up a draw. <laughs> Shit. So in the, in the game, in the world sport of draws, uh, they were anchored to the bottom. And I, I think, you know, for them to get someone like Messi on board is obviously a huge marketing ploy. Um, you know, it's a, a huge boost for the South American football fans, of which there is a huge amount of South American population in Miami and in Florida. I think this is great stuff for them. Whether it's going to shoot them up to the top of the table, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't know if Messi's going to turn your team around entirely, but this is all another step forward for their sport becoming what I imagine might be kind of like the money ball big cash grab for retiring players of the sport, which I think is what you you need to kind of do if you're trying to grow a sport like football in a country that has two gigantic leads, uh, leagues that take over a vast majority of the fan base in the NFL and the NBA. Yeah, uh, um, we used to do a podcast called Sportonomic, which was the economics of sport pretty much. Bring and, it back. And Well, yeah, we should. Um, a, a big conversation that occurs all the time is um, about the major league soccer joining up with the South American leagues and creating, you know, this epic stoinking 
league that would suck up all the the world's soccer money. Um, whether it's a real realistic or a fantasy, who knows? But I do think major league soccer. I mean, in five years, it'll be. We'll be hearing about it a lot more. Yeah, I think we can watch this space. Yeah, I think so. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Messi ends up owning a stake in certain teams. Yeah. Uh, I think that money is kind of there. Uh, these players have got that kind of money. When you look at Manny's, uh, Messi's worth and you look at some of the franchises in US sport at the moment, he would be up there in the top, I don't know, he'd be up there in the in one of those lists as the best team if he was a team on his own. <laughs> so I think he's got the money to try and buy into this league. Yes, yeah, speaking of buying and selling teams, the Oakland A's or the Oakland Athletics signed a binding agreement to purchase land in Las Vegas, build a new ballpark, signalling a move away from Oakland uh, around, I, th- I think they would be uh, expected to play there in 2027, beginning of 2027. And there's been a reverse boycott, Chat. Yeah, this is an interesting one, isn't it? You know, people boycott their teams. They don't turn up at the stadium to show their distaste for the ownership. I mean, we've seen it with teams like the Washington Commanders in the NFL. Uh, But this is a reverse uh, boycott. I think the logic here is so that the owner can't try and blame the fans for the fact that he's moving a storied franchise, a franchise that some people may recognise the name because of the movie and the book Moneyball. This was the team Mm. that in the early 2000s built a competitive side that I think made it into the deep into the playoffs potentially. Um, But they were competitive against, you know, teams like the Yankees who were spending hundreds of millions of dollars on on their squad when the Oakland A's used $44 chose a team that was purely based on analytics and really surprised the Major League Baseball world with how they did it, which is a, a, a system that is now used by a lot of teams. Um, to try and be competitive in baseball. It was an interesting sight. You look at the shots. If you get to see some of the clips, there was a video of um, one of their batters, Shintaro Fujinami, uh, coming up, getting ready, and uh, you could hear the crowd chanting, sell the team. A team that's been in a place for 50 years. This happens in American sport a lot. Yeah. Relocation of teams happen a lot. It's kind of the nature of a private ownership sport. But it's kind of sad, I feel like, to see especially ones that had such a uh, defining moment for the sport to then then be moved. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move away from these round ball games and uh, we'll move on to the, what would, what would you call them? Egg-shaped? Oval-shaped? AFL? I like egg. Egg ball. <laughs> egg ball after the break. Hi, it's David Poir here, host of the Employability Podcast. We have a new season of episodes for you to listen to. So if you're someone starting out in your professional career and looking for a way to get ahead in the corporate world, tune in. On the pod, we talk to a bunch of people from diverse backgrounds who have navigated their way to successful careers here in Australia. Find the Employability Podcast on any podcast app and click to follow. Chad, did you see Victoria's Supreme Court is likely to merge several legal cases involving former AFL players suing the league and clubs over concussion injuries? Yeah, I mean, this makes sense. They're all arguing about the same kind of thing. So uh, it kind of makes sense to just put all of these in the one basket. Makes it kind of easier for the people, the complainants to put it all together. It kind of makes it easier for the AFL to put their judgment there as well. Stops you from getting two different results, which would be very confusing too. This will be... 
it's kind of weird. Australia's attitude towards concussion rules are fascinating across different codes. I mean, the NRL tried to go, yeah, we're doing 11-day stand-down, which is similar to the AFL's process in that. And then we see that all of a sudden, which was news to me, I don't know if it was news to you, that you can actually appeal it, which makes no sense to me if you're going to be saying it's player welfare and then you're allowed to appeal a doctor's decision that you had a grade two or whatever concussion and now you're allowed to play eight days later, which is just ridiculous. Um, And it also could probably be a red flag for the NRL to get in trouble in many years down the track. Uh, I want to say this would be a defining moment in sport, the results of this, but I really just don't have much faith in in Australian sport to really be bothered doing anything uh, major in this kind of space. Uh, I reckon it will result, there'll be a future fund which will be built and then the future fund will dissipate in you know, down the track. Do you think it maybe might be more logical for, even though all of these sports hate each other, for the NRL and the AFL to merge together for their future fund of sport? Like to go, well, why don't we just both put it into a pool? It's an investment fund. It earns money. And that will be the safety net for some of our long-term injured players as a result of concussion. I guess the biggest problem with a future fund as well is that it will need to grow by a massive amount when you think yeah. that the NRL and the AFL are continuing to expand yeah. and the AFL, the NRL and the AFL have a huge junior grassroots systems that work very differently that other people might want to try and put their hand up and claim through as well. I think it's going to change the legalities of what you sign when you sign up for these sports. I think yeah, that'll be a big the, part of it. The biggest thing is, is I reckon you'll see... Um, young kids will have to take out insurance to play footy. Yeah, and, and look, rugby league and AFL are a contact sport. Yeah. If, if you if you go into these sports, especially now as a player, and you pretend like oh, I didn't know the risks, that's not true. Like you can't sit there and say that it's not true. So that like, I understand that kind of argument that will likely be presented by the AFL and the NRL in these type of situations. Yeah, but then the other side of it is. You know, what are you doing for... If we're going to say, yeah, we accept the risk of going in and playing the game, then the AFL and the NRL and other sporting codes need to mitigate the risk of return because that is their responsibility in player welfare. They're involved in recovery. They're involved in in post-career injury. And currently in the NRL, I can't speak to the AFL. It's kind of not... I don't know exactly what theirs are with retired players. But in the NRL, if you don't get all your... If you retire and you need post, like post-career surgery and healthcare, you need to get it done within, I think it's 12 to 18 months, and then you are not covered anymore. And that also includes if you go to an opposing league like the Super League or French, if you go and play over there or play rugby, you st- that window still only lasts that long from your last NRL game. Um, so what should they do? Should there should there be AFL NRL re- retirement homes with medical <laughs> services? I tell you what, if there is, whack the headgear on them, whack the <laughs> headgear on them, and I'll watch that game. You, you would need to sterilise <laughs> the hallways. Let's look at the NRL. Queensland legend Brent Taint doesn't believe Nico Hines is good enough for Origin, and he doubts the Shark Stars' ability to even get back in the Origin arena. What do you reckon? I only agree with half of what Brent Tate has to say here and, and it's how I'm a, I'm a Queensland obviously but um, I, I don't think that Nico Hines isn't an origin player I think he only got to play a couple of minutes and his debut was uh, ruined because of Freddie Fittler not having a plan of what to do with the reigning Dally M winner 
you know. Um, that's not on Nico Hines necessarily. He just dropped him out in the wing because of, or in the centres because of injuries and he was up against, you know, Munster who was really a Queensland side that was starting to get a roll on against the odds. Harsh to kind of judge a guy on that. Um, also, the other side of it though, saying, you know, doubting his ability to get back into the origin squad, I don't think that's going to be off the back of Nico Hines' ability. I think it's going to be off the back of if there's one area in New South Wales politics. have a lot of yeah politics and player logjam. Um, yeah. It's kind of you know it's like sitting there and saying uh, like I reckon Ezra Mann's going to be a great Origin player, but we're probably not going to see him in the seven jersey for a few more years. You know what I mean? Like I think AJ Brimson is a great Origin player. He got to play in that uh, in that Queensland side that was the worst ever that ended up winning under Wayne Wayne's men. <laughs> And he hasn't gotten another look in just yet. He's on the 18th man now. But he could, if Ponga was still available, AJ Brimson could be fighting around in the wilderness for the rest of his career. There's, there's. I don't think it's on Nico Hines' like ability that he's not going to get in the squad. It's because the number seven jersey is going to be held by Cleary for quite some time, whether New South Wales fans like it or not. The politics around it and the uh, the mystique around Cleary means that only injuries are going to give him his opportunity. And unfortunately, he didn't play that good on the weekend and Moses played better. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, they're saying the Sydney Roosters are set to undergo a mass clean-out uh, of the Sunbury. Speaking Sombrero. of Mitchell Pearce, because there was a rumour that he might get brought back into the squad. Oh, really? <laughs> I saw a funny little rumour. It was obviously, I don't think there's much truth to it, but saying that they might bring him back as a senior bench player to just kind of get the whole, oh, the Roosters, remember how good this side is? Which would be hilarious because you've got Cooper Cronk there as a... Um, as like a, a as a halves coaching kind of stuff member in there, which would be crazy to come back and play under the guy that took your job. Oh. <laughs> hey, are you going to watch this boxing match on Sunday? Carlos Ocampo versus Tim Zhu. I mean, I would if Tim Zhu could get me excited for fights, but um... <laughs> <laughs> well, Carlos Ocampo has arrived and he's trying to hype it up. He's saying that he's going to embarrass Tim Zhu. Which, which I don't think he is. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Tim Zoo's just said that um, Charlo was, you know, making some comments and then uh, always gets on the piss and starts yapping his mouth on Instagram. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is the Tim Zoo I want to yeah, hear yeah. more of. That's what yeah, I want to hear too. more before a fight. But he's cool, calm and collected. He knows what's on the line here. He has to beat this guy to get his dream fight, uh, which has been eluding him for quite some time for this yeah, he's got a lot, Tim Zoo's got a lot of people running their mouth about him, and he and he has been doing a great job of shutting them up in the ring. So he definitely has. I think it'll be a good. I think it'll be a good watch. I think it'll be much better than Mayweather versus whoever that mob guy was that was ended in an absolute farce the other day. Weird scenes in the boxing world, but I am looking forward to Tim Zoo. I think he's going to win this. I reckon he might knock him out. Funnily enough, I would like to see Tim Zoo start doing some knockouts, but we'll see. We'll see. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors. Ah, yeah, our good mates at Cell AED, a defibrillator that you can have around the heart. We'll be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. Cool. At Gradability, we believe that every graduate should have the skills and opportunity to pursue the career of their choice. But sometimes we need help to bridge that gap. And that's where the Gradability Accelerator Plus program, or GAP program, comes in. The GAP program is designed to supplement your learning with real-life experience at one of our almost 12,000 host employers, giving you the vital experience needed to kickstart your professional career. Visit gradability.com.au for more information.